I'm Chris Barker. And I'm Will Betts, and this is the Music Tech My Forever Studio podcast, brought to you in partnership with Evo by Audient. In this podcast, we speak with musicians, producers, engineers, and DJs about their fantasy forever studio. The make-believe studio that our guests dream up will be one that they must live with for the rest of time. But even in fantasy studio foreverdom, we have a few rules. Yes, the rules. So, our guests get to select a computer, a DAW, and an audio interface. Those are free items we let everybody choose. Then our guests will choose just six other bits of studio gear, plus one non-studio-related luxury item. But, Chris... Oh, yes! No bundles! That's it. Definitely 100%. No bundles? <laughs> yep, no bundles. No bundles at all, Jacob. Choosing something that's sold as a package of separate software or hardware as a single item is not allowed. Today, we have a musical polymath who's achieved more by the age of 27 than most musicians could hope to in a lifetime. Since gaining attention with his split-screen multi-part reharmonization videos, he's won Grammys, he's scored a movie, he's had audiences all over the world participate in live looping sets and collaborated with heroes like Herbie Hancock, Quincy Jones, and his latest single even features John Mayer. But it all started in a music room in his childhood home. So we're keen to find out whether he upsells his dreams on gear he's hankered after or he sticks with his trusted favourites. Yes, let's dive in. This is My Forever Studio with Jacob Collier. Welcome. Welcome. How are you guys? It's, it's so nice to hear you and to see you. Yes, Likewise. you too. Yeah. This is great. We've, we've been wanting you on the show for so long. We're so glad we got to make it happen. Oh, wowza. Superb. So, you heard the... The rules and the setup the there. Brief. I mean, yeah, the brief. There's there's a format, but um, I guess first of all, we like to talk about like creative environments gen- generally. And uh, and as Will said, you, you started in, in a music room. I mean, tell tell us about those those early beginnings um, and you know the gear that inspired you or how how you got into this. So I'm speaking to you now from said room in North London. Uh, this is the room I learnt to walk in as a one year old. It's filled to the gunnels with, uh, with musical things. Some of them are instruments, some of them are, are not, just sound creators. Um, but overall, I would say it's by far the most important room in my entire creative life, still to this day. And, um, you know, I've, I've travelled a lot in the last few years on tour and, and for, for collaborations across the world, but I, I still return here and it feels like a, a, a super anchor in, in, in my creative world. And it, it's, it's deep in the heart of my, my original family home. So it's a real honour to still be in a space that just knows me so well. Um, I suppose I would say that a lot of my creative ideas as a kid came about not from me having a bunch of gear, but from me being determined to make stuff work with what I had. Uh, and so what I had really was a, an upright piano, which you see behind me just here. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I had one SM58 microphone. And actually, I have it right here. I, I, I prepared it for this. This is the original <laughs> SM58 microphone, which smells really good. Oh, it's just, it smells like my it smells like my childhood. That oh, it's so great. And so yeah, it's a little bit you know biffed and and whatever. But it's very very trusty. And and I did everything on this mic from drum overhead singular to percussion, guitar, vocals, absolutely anything you, I could possibly find to make sound, including saucepans and badminton rackets and marbles and spoons. I've got here. I've just got this little box of spoons. Which is a great hi-hat before I had a hi-hat. I've kept it in the room because it's such a great object. But um, yeah, essentially, you know, I, I did not grow up in a world filled with gear. And, and even to this day, I, I, you know, I don't think too hard about gear. I, I, think, I, I think a lot about the, the, the feeling of the music I'm trying to create. And I try and increase the resolution of my ability to articulate certain parts of the process, whether it's a sonic thing, harmonic thing, rhythmic thing, 
melodic thing, technological thing, uh, audience-based thing. You know, I, I suppose I'm just gathering tools. But it all started in this room with a piano, an SM58. I had one cymbal, which was great. Like Prince. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> well, kind of. I mean, that's very much what I aspire to be. But um, one of those Macs with the, the rounded, as one of those rounded bases, a really soft, rounded bass. Mm-hmm. And that ran Logic 6 back when it was owned by eMagic. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I, I guess I should say it all started really on, on a Casio keyboard. The Casio keyboard in question is just here. Let me see what the model is of it. Uh, CTK611. That's, that, was my, that was my first ever Casio keyboard. It's just kind of your, your run-of-the-mill keyboard, but it had 200 instruments, 100 rhythms. And that was the whole of music, in my, in my opinion. So I spent a lot of time with that keyboard. When I was seven, I got Cubase. And that was very exciting because I was able to um, start to layer tracks up kind of with, uh, under my own control on a screen. Mm. And then for my, for my 11th birthday, I, I received my SM58 and I received Logic, Logic 6. And that was a huge step forward for me. And I spent a lot of my, a lot of my teenage hours uh, in this very room, uh, just creating layers upon layers upon layers of vocal harmonies and then eventually other kinds of harmonies too and, and constructing a world of music that was that was within this this world of my own. And when did you realise you sort of had... Because you've got perfect pitch, right? Is that right? Yes, that's true. When did that dawn on you or, or your family, or did, when did you realise that? Because it must be kind of an odd thing at first. You don't know why you can tell and other people can't. Well, why do I know this? Well, I, I didn't think of it as particularly... Um, wacko or, or special because my mum has perfect pitch and so ah, okay. I grew up in a house where it's like oh yeah well you know perfect pitch is reasonable to have um, <laughs> but, but I, I did find myself as a very young boy two or three years old being encouraged by my mum to sort of feel my way through navigating sounds how does this note feel how does this note feel things like that and you know the notes could be car alarm or car horn or microwave beep or you know hoover or whatever it happened to be but the, the excitement I found was how do I befriend almost these sounds and then in, incorporate them in, in a sense where I could navigate. I had a sort of inner geography of all notes. Uh, and, and I didn't really stop at, at 12 in the end. I, I, over the last 10 years or so, I've been really interested in digging between those 12, you could say, frets of the, of, of the fretboard and mm-hmm. dividing notes into all sorts of other things besides. And it's almost like a, a deliberate effort to, to break my, my own perfect pitch open into a sort of overly conf- confounded form where there's all sorts of options and it's very confusing and, and discombobulating, but also extremely rich and and uh, and, and exciting to, uh, to me. So, but I, I yeah, I do remember as, as a two or three year old loving and understanding notes and ha- have sought since then to to combine them in, in many interesting ways. I've, I've noticed um, a sort of a bit of a correlation between people that we've interviewed that have perfect pitch and that kind of openness towards sounds beyond the instrument as in like you know boxes of spoons and being able to hear a patchwork of any sounds and incorporate them musically rather than it feeling like i need an instrument that has these notes on that i can go to and so i think it must it must be quite freeing as well but then i guess like you say you need to break out of that as well and try and get in between those notes now i i I find that to be true and uh and i think that a lot of my favorite records growing up were in strange keys and I didn't understand necessarily why I think that because I was I was told there were only 12 notes my mind would sort of round every note to the nearest it would be like oh that's kind of a d but it's a little bit flat you know or oh that's that's like an a flat but it's 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 sharper than normal but it, I, I suppose it's just trying to be a 
you know, a D or an A flat. And, and indeed that would be true if it were, say, a piano or a guitar that was slightly, you know, slightly out or the, the, the tape of the recording yeah. had been sped up or slowed down a tiny mm. bit, whatever. But I, I actually later learned or recently learned that my grandfather, who was an extraordinary violinist, used to have these little weights. You know, those little weights that you put on sort of scales in, in old-fashioned kitchens. Yeah. You know, sort mm-hmm. of like you know, one kilogram and then one gram and, you know, an ounce and all sorts yeah. of things. And he would have these weights that he would put in the middle of vinyls, like vinyl records, and it would slow them down by a tiny amount, but enough to gain, say, 15 or 20 cents flat, you know. And, and so he could re-experience music he loved through this, this lens of, of not quite understanding the key, because he, he also had perfect pitch. And so it was that process of, you know, here's my understanding. How do I consciously seek the edge of that? It, you know, it, so, so as to increase my kind of palette and, and my experience of of the world. It's it's like you have a certain set of words or terms within your language. and But in order to be really articulate, you, you seek that feeling of, of knowing, you know, even just combining words together, a bit like German, you know. Yeah. You, yeah. you sort of stick this word to this word to this word and you end up with a word that is the, the something, something, something of the something, but it's all in one word. And, and I, I find myself musically trying to kind of achieve something a bit like that. So do you find yourself with that those pitch elements, like you said, with the with the vinyl, do you find yourself gravitating towards those kind of methods for listening to music and for recording music, like analog means and, and you know, tape and things that are a bit wonky? Yeah, well, so I haven't had much experience with analog gear. I suppose it's because I was brought up in such a digital era. Um, and I, I think now for me, I, there's, al- there's almost that kind of holistic charm around it. Um, mm. But a lot of the gear in this house is digital. So I, I've sought similar ends through different means. Uh, you know, using apps, using Logic, using Reaper, uh, all sorts of ways in which you can sort of rate, stretch, speed up, slow down, you know, time and, and, and things like that. But there was a playlist I kept as a 17-year-old called Rejuvenated Music. And and by that, I meant music that I really knew extremely well and had put through Logic and, and very sped or pitch shifted up. Uh, at that point, it was 150 cents, so one and a half semitones, uh, just to kind of hear it as though for the first time especially harmonically this is just cr- it's a crazy feeling because you know think I, kn- I know exactly what, to, what my ears my ear can already hear where this key change is going to go i know it's not surprising to me anymore but mm. when you when well, at that time before i sort of got used to 150 cents it, it, when i when i would flip to that distance it would be i would be completely unable to perceive what was about to happen because it was like completely untrodden snow in my brain this key I had no idea what it was and so I would change the key and I would sort of save save these up for moments where I could listen to them for the first time because it would be like listening to my favourite Take 6 record or whatever for the first time oh man I can't believe the key ah! you know just breaking my, my, my mind apart and, and after that I started to do it within my own songs and there have been a few uh, few vocal arrangements that I've created and even songs that I've written where the key will change to a, a microtonal place within the song. And and it's I, I, sort, I sort of don't even mind if people know or not. It's it's really just for me to feel, oh, there's there's a lift and and that sensation to me makes sense in some kind of a way and I, I really thrill over that. I had a similar by accident experience when I exported uh, a track that I was remixing many, many years ago at the wrong sample rate. And <laughs> Oh, there you go. That will do it. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but preferred it. Because I was so yeah. exhausted to listening to it, you know, over and over and over again. And then I was like, oh, that's that's cool. Um, but we, yeah, it was a complicated thing to get through because it was for DJs. And stuff, but like, <laughs> yeah. but like yeah, tough, I, 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 I experienced exactly what you did where it's like, oh, it's better now. Why is it better? And then I realized it was just a fraction 
because it was export like at forty, it was playback at the wrong forty eight k or something. But yeah. forty eight versus forty four sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So which I guess I don't know what that is, but it's like a little bit. At, yeah, just it's, yeah, not, not much, not much, yeah. but 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 slightly faster. Yeah, and it's one of my favourite features about Logic actually now is this very speed feature where you can essentially pitch shift or rate stretch the entirety of your session in in real time based on any number of cents. So it's it's really really a, a, a high resolution way of doing it. And what I love about that, not to sort of go on a huge tangent, but if you if you go on, if you say you very speed your session um, down by three semitones. So you know your, your song's an A, and then and suddenly your song's an F sharp, and it's much slower and more gloopy. If you record vocals natively at that very speed tempo, you can then revert to the original speed, and you have this kind of voice that sounds like this. And that's a really fascinating sound. Actually, Prince did it a lot. You know, the sort of Camille yeah. era where he invented this yeah, kind yeah. of almost like a caricature of his own voice. But I I love that. Well, the Girl Six soundtrack and all of that that he did, where he had those phone conversations and stuff. Yeah, that was wicked. That yeah, stuff. totally. Yeah. yeah, totally. And and I think as a vocal producer. And someone who seeks to dig out the maximum potential of a voice, I, I often find myself sometimes in a deliberate kind of like as a funny sound, but but sometimes it's a very subtle thing, even just to go down by say fifty cents or one semitone and record a vocal with a different microphone and speed it back up. It just sounds like a slightly different voice that adds to the to the kind of towering experience of all these voices. You know, if you have a hundred voices together and they're all exactly the same microphone from the same distance at the same pitch, you get a lot of the same overtones. So what I've been doing recently, actually, with, especially with vocal stuff, is I'll have a ribbon mic and this, which is my, my modified um, Neumann 87, and they'll both be here, and I'll alternate between them and use very speed constantly to create this sort of ever-changing timbre and texture of the voices so they all glue together in, in a really kind of warm and 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 enveloping way and, and you don't get the kind of the same yeah the same overtones building up and up and up and up and up and up like a church organ you know let's talk about the creative space yes so this means you can choose a location anywhere in the world what's it look like we're talking about the room the studio here so like where would you have your studio if you could have it anywhere in the world and why oh gosh um it's a, it's a very difficult question to answer but there is one location that i've always kind of had a big crush on um, and this started uh, on family holidays. So I, I've been going, uh, my family and I've been going on, on holiday to uh, to the, the North Norfolk coast for about 12 years now. And I, I just love this coastline a lot. And there's one particular part of the coast where essentially between the, the land and the sea, there's just this huge mar- flat marshland. And there was a, a there's a, well, I think that it's still there actually. There's a boat, like a beautiful, beautiful boat that has, I guess, been stranded or something. In this in this marshy area, and it sits between the land and the sea, about equidistant from each, and it's just this utterly flat, utterly silent place, um, and it's stunning, absolutely stunning. And there's gorgeous round windows in the boat, and it's it's, it's the perfect size. I mean, it's it's, a, it's about the same size as this room inside us, I suppose, but plus the kind of the the extra bit at the front and the back of the boat. And it was something that my family and I always joked about. Like, oh, yeah, there's there's Jacob's studio again, you know. But I did kind of love the idea of of <laughs> having a studio in that in that part of the world. And there was something about that boat that really took my took my breath away. Uh, I, I don't know if I would say that's the absolute optimum studio forever, but I would say that that has stuck in my imagination as a real kind of linchpin benchmark as to what a studio could feel like, where I had to step outside be in this marsh world and then step inside and be in this total round windowed kind of haven i mean it sounds great i think that's <laughs> one of the most one of the nicest answers we've had in a while isn't it well 
it really is. So you'd be inside the boat. You'd have you'd build the studio inside the boat. Is what we're saying. I, I think so. I, I mean, there's there's also an, there's like an an outdoor area on the kind of I, I don't know any boat terminology per se, but the bit at the front of the boat where you come out of the little door and you can sit, I suppose, on the boat while it's let's call it the nose, the nose of the boat while it's going on. There you go. The, the nose of the boat, the boat boat nose, and so you're sort of sitting like. On, on either nostril or however you want to put it and just experiencing <laughs> yeah, yeah. the world it, it would be nice to have something out there or even just a, a little a little setup but you know it's nice to have a studio where there is a few different creative environments that you can work with rather than just one so the, i think what i would do with that boat would be to have different parts of the boat be different things you know so it could be a, a tiny drum room or vocal booth at the very back in one of the tiny cupboards and then it could be that you have the main sort of live room in the centre, but then you can exit that tiny, gorgeous little boat door onto the nose, and you have a little area outside. Maybe there's an upright piano there or something, but then again, it may it may rain. But but anyway, the the, the idea of having having that that multifaceted miniature world, I suppose that's something that very much appeals to me, having grown up in this room, because everything I need is kind of in here, um, and in some ways, the, the only thing I can't change and can't can't do is 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 to be able to step outside and be somewhere that's not north london right now so it's almost like i would to a point want to redesign a lot of my existing setup in a new space and that would be one particular place i would very much enjoy to do so well let's lock that in will you've got all that i've got it i've got it all damn it's down it's down so let's uh swiftly move on to the the three free items that every every guest gets which is uh, a computer a DAW and an audio interface. Uh, talk us through those three choices. I mean, computer-wise, you, I guess, were on... Were you on PC when it was eMagic and when you were on Cubase and then you switched to Mac later on, or...? Yeah, I was on a PC for the Cubase era and that was <laughs> that was fine. But then at age 11, I, I entered into the world of Mac and it was extremely appealing to me for so many reasons. It's just curvy and user-friendly and and epic so i i've been on a mac for at this point 16 years which is the vast majority of my life and uh and that that is where i will stay i suppose for this little escapade exercise so i am currently using a, a mac pro uh and it's one of the one of the nice new ones which is a, a, a real thrill to use one of those and so i suppose I, I would probably say mac pro it's something i know well and it's it's, it's brilliant and i've got 300 and 87 gigs of RAM on my existing machine, I suppose, which is a lot. Uh, and I, so I would just say absolute top spec Mac Pro in, in in maintenance with my existing setup for the for the for, for, for the Mac, yeah, for the for the, the the machine. This is a pretty pretty standard answer now, Will, isn't it? Right. On, uh, I bet. As we get serious, we're on series four now, and uh, yeah, we don't we don't get any interesting Ataris or any strange choices anymore everybody na- now okay. mac has that they just everybody just goes yeah i want that 52 grand mac please yeah what, what, what if i said i want to record everything on like a, a, a nintendo game boy sp uh you could <laughs> no. do that you'd be the first I, i'd be the first I, my music <laughs> would sound miniature in bit form but yeah. our most rebellious guest was matthew herbert i think wasn't it did he choose four items in the end because <laughs> he was trying to be four. punk about he was kept it. trying to break it yeah he kept trying, yeah, to, break he kept trying to break all the rules didn't like the yeah. rules anyway okay so we'll lock that mac in and what about um daw are you going to stay with logic or if you could only have one i mean you can have multiple doors but the other ones will come out of your six items oh i see right right right. so this is a this is a free one everybody gets these three i mean yeah it would definitely be logic I would say, yeah, at this point, it's my kind of bread and butter. It's the wallpaper of my creative world. Uh, 
Again, not particularly interesting answer, but it's it's one of those things when, when you know something that well and you customize it that deeply, it tends to be where, I'll st- where I'd want to stay. And one of the best things about Logic from day one is that there's been the keyboard shortcuts customizable thing. Mm. And so I've, I've actually, I've come up with a system of keyboard shortcuts across a lot of the programs that I use. You know, one, for example, being um, Adobe Premiere Pro for video. And, you know, I have, I have one, two, three, four, five set to very similar things, you know, cut, fade, paste, whatever. It's a dream to have them across all of the applications, I suppose. That's what I'd yeah. say, you know, and, and I think for me, being able to change those and lock them in, I mean, it's, it's taken 10 years to get to the current shortcut thing that I have, well, actually probably more than that, but, um, you know, yeah, I have it on my laptop and I have it in across the board, I suppose. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I love Reaper very much for certain things too. I have just I have a soft spot for Reaper, and and one thing that Reaper can do that nothing else can do that I truly enjoy is is that thing I mentioned about changing speed of things. There's there's one song I created. It's on my first album, which is called In My Room, and there's a song called Now and Then I Think About You, and I never talk about the song because it's not really a song. It's like a transition, but the song goes from essentially it it it's the following song on the album, which is a song called Savior. And now and then I think about you is Saviour from 5 BPM speed all the way up until, I think it's about 80 in the end. And so it goes... (laughs) And it just gradually speeds up. And I kind of decorated that with snippets of other songs and ideas that I didn't use and stuff like that. But I guess, yeah, with Reaper, you can automate the rate of, of playing back your your piece. And that, I don't know why you can't do that on any other things, but it's so useful and so cool. It sounds really visceral and, and brilliant. And and you can do it in reverse as well. If, uh, there's another there's another song on the album where I have this uh, xylophone that sort of goes... And it was like a class I went stuff. to about... Yeah, yeah was like, and I sped it up to a thousand and down, back down. So Reaper is, is very, very good for certain things. Um, that is what I'd say. But but logic would be where I live. It's, it's something a lot of DJs don't make enough of, the kind of the fact that you can do that in real time when DJing as well. It's like, it's not just about keeping everything in time. It's quite nice to... I can't remember which DJ it was. I think it was DJ EZ had that song with that kind of like big whoop sound in the middle of it. But during the breakdown, in, you know, and it was dramatic enough, he just pitched it down to like 60 BPM. So you just have these huge, really slow throughout the whole club and and suddenly the breakdown's like a minute and a half long <laughs> and it's amazing it's so it's so cool it's so thrilling yeah it's really really cool especially doing it in reverse that xylophone technique is very interesting so people can't quite work out what it is until it just sort of yeah, what is that what is that sound yeah you know yeah yeah and then it makes sense i love it yeah exactly now audio interfaces you must have had a few of those in your time I have had a few of those. Yeah, I started on this 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 little baby Tascam thing. It's up there right now. In fact, oh, I'll get it. This is my first ever audio interface up here. <laughs> in fact, this is first and second. So this is my first one. What is that? Oh yeah, try, is tried it, and tested. You, you something is it? The model number? Uh, yeah, US one two two. That's what it is. It's so sad that I know that stuff. Every time I surprise myself, <laughs> I know model numbers of weird audio <laughs> I, I would not describe that as sad, but, you know, each to his own. Um, um, it's not something I'm going to brag about. <laughs> <laughs> right. This, this knob here is, you know, this was held by my 11-year-old hand and gain structured before I understood anything of what was going on. There's a simple mic guitar switch. 
and yeah, a bunch of bunch of lines. This was literally like a like a spaceship when I was eleven. It's like, how do you? How, what is this? You know, it's it's a, it's a wild and, and crazy machine, and and so that that was an important era for me. This was about twice the length of that era was this era, which is this lovely Ederol. It's a UA twenty five EX, and um, that is, it's it's cool. I suppose in some ways it's like it's a step up from the Tascam. I loved the fact you you had these incorporated XLR and jack inputs. That was a thrill for me. And it's very, very small. I mean, I, I've always worked in this room and the, the desk used to be over there and it was such a tiny desk. So this took up very little real estate on the desk. Um, and I went from this to a Focusrite 18i20, uh, which is just that, eight, I think it's just that eight input Focusrite, which is up, uh, it's there. I mean, it's beneath some baskets, it's up there. Um, I like to keep old interfaces around just to have their presence in, in my life. Uh, but yeah, that 8-input interface was, was the interface I recorded the whole of, of In My Room, that first album I ever created in this room, was on that. Um, I now use a Dante PCI card, which is 128 inputs and outputs, which is a, a pretty involved system. Uh, and this room has, has evolved a long way since it, its early days. There's a lot of really fascinating things about it, but essentially everything everything interfaces with that Dante, and it lives here in this rack unit. And so there's there's a lot of hidden microphones all over the room. There's there's room mics hidden on the door. There's mics inside the piano. There's mics over the drums and in the wall. And this is on a, a, a boom arm. This uh, this eight, uh, the Neumann eighty seven that I use for vocals is on a boom arm. And there's these Mojave microphones just here. Earthworks on the on the drums. And there's all sorts of things. And it's it's really kind of it's it's very uh, neatly packaged, all within its own system. And so, by opening up Logic, I can kind of pick an input from the list, and I can say, right, I want to record my my you know guitar amp today, and I'll turn on the guitar amp, and then get the input up, and I plug it in, and it goes. That really, really was a dream, an absolute dream for me mm. to have that that system where I can basically walk up to an instrument and just say, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to play, it. and it sounds it sounds great, flat. It's you know? ready to go. Yeah, yeah, ready to so, go. So, but for yeah. your forever studio, you're not going to. Well, you you might have six microphones as your choices but um are you going to still go with a dante for your for your interface or something else for your forever studio i can't really imagine a better setup right now um you know i i also i also can't see i'm deep in the world of understanding audio interfaces um i'm actually texting right now with ben bloomberg who's a very dear friend and collaborator of mine in the world of tech and i, I asked him the question before this and, and he, he wrote back saying there's this thing called the dad ax32 um, which is a, a super like modular it looks like a super mod modular box which within which you could do all sorts of crazy things but i've never i've never heard of modular it. though mm, modular uh, could that be a bundle I well i think we'll allow it because we're in the free items <laughs> yeah we were i was about to hit the air horn but no you're gonna you know, avoid the air horn right finger now. on the air yeah. horn there as soon as we uh, <laughs> yeah, looking at yeah, yeah. some kind of bundle okay yeah, yeah, yeah. so um yeah. what, what which one are you going to go for? Do you think? I'll I'll, I'll go with the Dante because I know it and I understand it and it and it's mine and I I think it's great and so for now I think that that will do me just just fine. And who makes that? Who makes the Dante interface? Oh gosh, I'm not sure. Um, who makes the Dante interface? Do, do do this is probably a silly question, but do Grace Grace? Yeah, they make interfaces. Make, yeah. Grace Design. I, it may be a Grace. It may be a Grace interface. A Grace Dante interface. If that if that makes it, I've I've never understood whether it's Grace and Dante are the same thing or not. Uh, Dante is the um, protocol. But, Grace Grace M one o eight is it a black thing with yes. two silver knobs on the front? Yep. Yeah. That's the. Actually, I think it's that. It actually over over here. 
I love this. I've got M. It's like an M905. Oh, the M905, the really nice monitor controller. Yeah, yeah. And so that over, I've got another rack over there, and that kind of everything talks to there, mm. and is then distributed across the room. So I'll, I'll stay with that. Is there any room to upsell some dreams there, Will, or is that that's the top flight? I mean, there's no way you can upsell a dream on that. Nice. You're already at the top of the food chain with that one. Very much. That's good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's good. Great. Yeah. We like that. Okay, so. That's the three items out of the way. Now we get to serious business. You've got six other items left for your Forever Studio. So those three you've got locked in. An audio interface, a DAW, and your Mac. They're locked in. So what's item number one going to be, Jacob Collier? Wow. Well, I would start by saying something obvious but still resplendently important, which would just be the most epic nine-foot Steinway grand piano. Um <laughs> It's it's something. the first it's, item. Boom. Wow. Yeah. Love I mean, I, 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 what can I say? It's it's they're totally undefeated. Every Steinway, every Steinway is its own, has its own voice. You know, it's it's so unique and and so special, uh, and so I would I would most definitely want one of those in in the space. It's funny because when I when I was about seventeen, sixteen, seventeen, I I remember specifically writing in a book, like a journal I was keeping. And I, I sort of I pictured this my dream studio setup, and I'm I'm almost trying to go back to that world that I wrote up ten years ago now. But I do remember it was this big kind of gorgeous wooden circular room with this with this Steinway grand piano in the middle, with like a microphone hanging from the ceiling of some uh, of some kind. Back then, it was just a microphone. I'm not sure how much my understanding of microphones has increased to, to know exactly the mic I'd, I'd want, but perhaps like a gorgeous ribbon mic, like an R88 or something. But but anyway, that, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I would say that Steinway would be where I spend the most time in the studio. Pianos are very important in my world. And this piano behind me here, this, this upright piano, is something I've, I've loved and learned from an infinite, unquantifiable amount. So I, I, would, I would start there. Nice. Very nice. I mean, any special features you want with it? You know, it's Forever Studio. We can have it gold-played <laughs> for you. We can have it signed. Who, who would, what piano player would you have it signed by? <laughs> it's a really good question. Um, I feel like Glenn Gould would, would be would be pretty epic, mm-hmm. like Glenn Gould's okay. signature Done. or or Bach. But I mean, that's not going to happen, <laughs> is it? I don't. Um, I don't think autographs <laughs> were big in his era. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Massive autograph crayon Don. Maybe you can have it where it's scratched underneath it, like. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Just J S Bach, like like it's like a like a naughty schoolboy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like like under J. a desk. J S Bach was ear. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but what is the uh, yeah. uh, but what is the what's the best piano sound you've heard because you you experience sound in this different way to most people what is what's that piano sound that you most are drawn to oh gosh well i i think it's it's some mixture between bright and bright enough for it to sing and and shout in in the high end so not not really woolly and like you know like you put felt over yeah. it which i do love that sound as well but you want you want a shine you want a, a sheen and for it to cut through but ultimately, I think I'm drawn to quite mellow instruments. And, and mm. I think that you, so a sort of dark yet bright Steinway piano. It sounds very abstract, but I've heard pianos like this before. There's one piano, I'll never forget it, in the, the top floor of the Royal College of Music in London. Um, there's a room in, I can't remember what it's, what it's called. There's a beautiful room. And in this room was this immense Steinway piano. And it just was the warmest and most extraordinary feeling as a 14 year old which is when I was I was studying I was as a junior I sat at this piano and could just play, could play one note and listen to that one note just for an hour you know it's just one of those gorgeous magical instruments 
Well, you can have that one if you so desire. Should we take that one? I don't know. That, I mean, that one should stay there. You know, I want other. I want other oh, kids to find that <laughs> piano and 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 explore. I think for mine, I, I I would have a different a different piano. The one thing I would say would be fun, and I don't know if Stein would even do this. I know Yamaha do this, but I would. I'd love for it to be a Disclavia Steinway nine foot grand, in nice. the sense that I could give it MIDI and have it play the MIDI back and be able to record MIDI in really really high resolution, so that I could. Yeah, say, say record two left-hand parts and then play two right-hand parts over the top. It would just be super, super fun and and epic to be able to do that. And you'd have the motorised keys That sounds like well. a bundle, Will, though. That uh, sounds like you're bundling two pianos. <laughs> I, I, don't, I think that that's... Why not just go for the disclavier, though? Ooh. Well, I, I could just have a disclavier, but I, it, it has to be a Steinway. Like, I'm, I'm not going to waver on that. Okay. So I, I'm not sure how to solve this problem. If it had to be one or the other, I would just say the most epic Steinway nine foot grand. If possible, including a, a Disclavia format. But uh, then again, I'm not sure if that's really that reasonable. Uh, I'm looking into it for you. Uh, let's let's move on to yeah, the next one. Yeah, let's see if we. Hey, that's, hey, thank, yeah, thanks, I'm going to say like see see if Will can figure that out. Sounds like a bit of a rule bend to me. It does a little combining bit combining two instruments <laughs> into one. Uh-oh. Yeah, but um, okay. Well, let's lock that in. And item number two. Item number two is uh, I, I suppose I as a singer and someone who has done a lot of vocal multi-tracking in his time I suppose it's the, the, the eternal question is always what's like the microphone what's like the microphone of all microphones um, and and there, oh, that's, I, see, I go back and forth on this that, SM58 CSM58 uh, uh, yeah I, basically here it is it's my SM58 it smells too good to be true um, but no in a, in a totally in a total in a totally real way it's it, I, I go between the, the 251 and, and the 47. And, and I, I would say like the, the, the 47, Norman 47, is something that I experienced firsthand in Chris Martin's studio, which is in Malibu. And uh, well, one of his studios is there. And he has the, just this kind of godly microphone that you can, you know, how to describe microphones, I'm not sure. When you sing loud into it, it saturates in just the most, it's just to, it's to die for. It gets thick and thin at the same time, and just has this most, just the most amazing kind of breathability in the sound. And I, I think so consciously about the voice and and the power of its kind of the all, the, the whole of its range. You know, whether it's a really like thin kind of sound, or whether it's like oh, like a huge breathy sound. And there's something about that microphone that just it just it like you like you don't have to you don't have to patronize it by singing a particular way into it. You don't have to say, oh, I'm being breathy now, or ah, uh, or whatever. As, as I would say, for example, with the, my beloved 58, it, it just, it kind of does exactly what you give it. The 47 knows what you, what you want before you give it what you want. It, it, it knows when you sing into it, it knows to hear a particular color, even if it's right in the background of the voice, it, it knows to bring that color out. I don't, I don't know what it is. But maybe it's just that specific one. You don't just have to sort of like affect your performance and try and trick the microphone into giving the sound you want. You just be you. Right. And okay, I get you. I exactly. Get you. And, and if you give, say, 20% or 25% in a direction, vocally and in, in a sound direction, it will, it will know that that's the, that's the direction and it will take you all the, all the way without you having to exaggerate the sound in order to get a result, if that makes any sense. It's, yeah, it's yeah. such a such a special mic but then again I've, I've sung into, into some ridiculous 251s in my time too but I, I suppose I would say probably in an absolute dream scenario I would probably just nick that 47 from, from Malibu yes <laughs> yes yeah 
It, it is now mine. That's that's uh, right, Chris Martin. Until you come onto the podcast, you're not getting that back. <laughs> there you go. It's gone. Yeah. Out of his hands. That's yes. It. Great. Let's move on to item number three. Um, well, this is one of my two Key 3 monitors. And I don't know if you gents have heard Key 3s. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's strong room. It's kind of kind of insane. Uh, yeah. For this particular room, they're perfect. And I have heard them in other rooms and have been sort of equally blown away. But for this room, there's something about them that it just knows the room. It calibrates the sound to the room. Totally transparent. They're almost too good to be true to the point where I have to have less good speakers on hand very readily to make sure that my mixes actually sound okay because the keys make everything sound so good that even something that sounds not very good in a mix sense just sounds spectacular (laughs) on the keys. That said, I can't imagine my life without them and so I will have to maintain a pair of key threes. Uh, Mine are the only red pair in the world and so I'd, I'd I'd love to keep these if that's all right with you. Uh, it's, it's an easy one. I can just put them in the back of my car, you know. For anybody that knows, they're, they're sort of relatively new speakers in speaker terms, aren't they? Um, mm, yeah. It's K-I-I for anybody that wants to check those out. And uh, I do recommend not checking them out unless you can afford to buy some because you will want some if you hear them. Uh, it, it, it's <laughs> that's a problem, the, yeah. The, the, yeah, they sell themselves, don't they? Uh, they're very keen to give demos, that company, because they know. I'm, I mean... <laughs> I've, I've seen it. I've seen it in real life a few times. I think they did a demo at Strong Room, and then it was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Everybody needs those now. Yeah, very good, very good speakers. Melting brains. Yeah, they're not cheap, but they are spectacular. Um, yeah, but we can upsell some dreams on those, right? The Key Threes aren't the big ones, are they? Do, do you have the? Are they the ones that are? They're desktop mounted, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Desktop. Yeah, they're not not too crazy. Yeah, my my desk here at home is actually filled with concrete. It's a long story, but <laughs> I fashioned a, a desk out of what was originally a bunch of like shelving that was on that side of the room. It was just IKEA wooden shelving. And this room was my mum's teaching room for about 10 years when I was a child. And I got to the age of about 18 and I really didn't want to... Well, no, I, that's not true. About 21, actually. And I didn't want to lose the essence of the shelves, but I I had to lose the shelves. Like, it was time. And so with, with the help of the aforementioned Ben Bloomberg and a couple of his co-conspirators... All of the wood on this desk is actually the exact wood that built those shelves. Hmm. But we filled the desk with concrete so that it would be super solid and wouldn't move and wouldn't rattle around. And so the keys are very comfortable sitting on top just here. Uh, and uh, and yeah, it's, I've covered this desk with all sorts of stickers and dots and things from my but various could, travels. Can we, uh, can we upsell some dreams, though? Oh, come yeah, on, Will. Do you press the button. Upsell your dreams. Oh, E-flat major. I approve. <laughs> That's, that's great. The so, dulcet tones of Will Betts there. Beautiful. I love that jingle, Will. Yeah, I, I love it, Will. That, that, that's so great. Um, Good one. But we can upsell to the big keys, can't we? There's the ones with the floor standing. So the BXT system Ooh, is like the key threes, and then they've got another four drivers in each sort of stack underneath. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I would. if we're in the boat... <laughs> Yeah. I would maybe I would maybe maintain my existing key threes because I think that any bigger than that the boat would probably sink into the quicksand you know but if we were in a a big wooden room and I I guess I haven't figured this out the Steinway is also unlikely to fit in the boat but <clears throat> anything bigger I would most definitely want to upscale we can make it we can make it work you're gonna need a bigger boat Jacob <laughs> I would, we're gonna I need a bigger boat <laughs> I demand I demand um, what I demand here if it's a dream studio would be it, it's like Hermione's bag. In, in Harry Potter 7 it's like you go in the boat 
and it's tiny from the outside. Mm-hmm. You think, oh, it's just a, a mere boat here on the, on the, on the, on the Martian plains. Mm-hmm. And you step inside and it's a huge wooden circular room with, with a massive amount of space for, for many an instrument, including a Steinway 9-foot Disclavier grand piano. Perfect. Okay, so we've got a sort of TARDIS situation going on, which I right. yeah, strongly yeah, right. approve I like of. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we we yeah. like yeah. we like this. <laughs> um, okay, and and we are we going for the big keys then? If you're in this situation, are we going to? For yeah, the... yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fantastic. I like that. Dreams up sold successfully once again. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Brilliant. The Music Tech My Forever Studio podcast is supported by Evo by Audience and the Evo 16 audio interface. The Evo 16 is packed with eight award-winning Evo preamps alongside Audience Advanced Converter Technology, which will make recording even easier and better sounding. That's right, featuring their signature Smart Gain Level technology, a groundbreaking motion UI control system, and all the ins and outs for even your biggest sessions, the Evo 16 is a powerhouse interface. I've got to say, I'm a huge fan of that Smart Gain feature, and with eight inputs, you can perfectly set levels for a full drum kit in seconds and with intelligent features like this and powerful easy to use design evo 16 is a new way of doing things for music makers home recording enthusiasts and producers looking to up their interface game the evo 16 interface is suggested to retail at 399 pounds 469 euros and 499 dollars in the usa discover evo online at evo.audio e flat will got it like that just knew it just knew it to be fair, you should uh, pitch it up a little bit for next time. Oh, Hey, we can keep this rolling in the actual edit. Jacob's just stepped out for a minute, so we're going to change the pitch of our jingle. <laughs> I can probably do that. <laughs> I can do that as we speak. Every time you hit the upsell your dreams, just make it a different key. Damn it, oh, he's, he's back. back. He's oh, back. The game is up. We've been foiled. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. Sorry, sorry, guys. Uh, we were going to try and uh, change the key of our jingles uh, so we had multiple ones. Upsell your dreams. Oh, there you go. go. F. That's a bit better, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, <laughs> um, what, I w- what I was just thinking uh, when I was out of the room mm. was I-, I, want to, I want to actually up my previous one mm. and not just do I want the, the keys the epic key setup but I, I would actually have a whole a fully immersive audio surround sound rig all, all sounds like keys. a bundle oh, and we have allowed it uh, before we've allowed it surround setups before so are you thinking like an Atmos I mean you you, you let me know if, if this is across <laughs> the line I will I will settle for my Will will let you know with the button I, w- I would have no it's allowed we've allowed an Atmos setup before it was it was a bend of a rule <laughs> Chris is just, he's done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does, think, if yes. this is a bundle of keys, I, I, I do understand. Uh, yeah. Well, it comes down to Will. Will, if you're happy. I'll allow it. Oh, oh good. thanks, Will. Great. You're welcome. Great, great stuff. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. That, so we put keys in the ceiling. We put keys all around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be pretty thrilling. I mean, obviously, we're in a world now where music is beginning to be it's it's it, the process is beginning, isn't it? Music is beginning to be consumed and created for that setup, mm. but it's so young. That world is so young, and so I would kind of just love to sit and record with that is in my studio, so I could hear what it would be like to move objects around all things. But just to have those epic keys as my stereo default as well. Because you did um, Jesse three in Atmos, right? Yeah, so we haven't done the whole record, but we're working on it, and certain songs have been done. We've done all, all I need, I believe, is out. He won't hold you. We've done count the people we've done, but those I think are not yet released. But yeah, upstairs in my in my old attic room where I used to record those old videos that I made as a teen, 
Um, I actually do have an Atmos rig up there, and it sounds really good. Wow. Um, yes, it's a bunch of Carly speakers, and Carly speakers are totally terrific. And so that's up there. The Atmos attic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Atmos in the attic. Atmos in the attic, yeah. Yeah. I love attic it. Moss. Yeah. So that's that. Anyway, moving on to thing number four. This is really a weird thing. Um, and and I, I also don't, I don't quite know what this looks like, but I've, I've been imagining something like this for some time. What, I've, what I'm imagining is, is a wall of the room where there's like 10,000 fridge magnet words on the wall, all across the wall. Just absolutely an endless amount of, of fridge magnets. There's all these different words, verbs, adjectives, nouns. I love, I'd love words. I, I could go swimming in words for hours. I just, it's, it's thrilling. I also find lyrics hard to start. Like, how do you start a lyric? And, mm. you know, it's, it's tricky. Sometimes I need some stimulation. So if you had a whole wall of fridge magnets or even just scraps of words, it would be so cool to have some kind of a way for there to be like an, an intelligent system wherein the, there's like this. <laughs> so this is the bit I haven't yet defined, but essentially what would be really cool would be to have like an endlessly randomizing system of words based on a set of rules um, where there's, it's like character noun or you know or noun noun verb adjective noun adjective noun verb adjective noun or whatever it happens to be um this is a system i've been dreaming up for some time i i made a very very crude and rudimentary version of this and it's actually online it's at www.hajanga.com uh, and i spent about 10 years collecting about 10,000 of my favorite words putting them into categories and organizing them in a in in different ways and then you press a button and it it, it will arrange them in a sense where it will have a sentence like xyz does x with x under the light of x or, you know and there's all these rules that I, I wrote in code with a, a good friend of mine what i'd love would be for this to be analog basically in some way so for there to be a way for example of all these words existing where i could just look at the wall and get an idea but also a way where maybe it's a system of kind of like intelligent magnets that are behind the thin wall and can be moved so can draw from one part of the wall and, and bring a word in from a category and another word in from another category and you have these kind of bespoke sentences and just at the touch of a button or maybe at like the pull of a lever it could be like <laughs> you know what I mean and so you have this really visceral kind of lyrical sentence structure system that continuously breaks your brain conceptually those flip clock things, kind of like, analog style, that would be nice, wouldn't it? That might be even better. I like the lever as well. Yeah, yeah. I like some, the lever some, idea, or something, or like yeah. a, or a chain that you pull. Yeah, <laughs> some some amount of satisfyingly satisfyingly analog yeah. generation of lyrics. Yeah, it could be one of those like you know London train station things where it's like, mm. and it makes the word, but it also could be a, a, a sense of yeah, you you pull a lever and then magnets. So I, the, the magnets thing was it was kind of an old dream of mine, but but then again it's. I'm not sure how how quite to quantify this for this, but I, I suppose what I'd say is a satisfyingly analog, real-time sentence generator based on words of my own choosing involving magnets. So you're not going to believe this, Jacob. I've just gone on this site and um, I clicked it and it came up with automated fridge magnet wall produces intrigue. Are you, no, you're not serious. I'm not, I'm not serious, <laughs> no. Of course okay, not. Okay. <laughs> Because <laughs> I think all those words are in there. Um, <laughs> oh wow! Great. I will say, this sounds like a luxury item. Well, it doesn't like we. So we have your six bits of studio kit, and then you get to dream up 
one luxury item that isn't a bit of studio gear and that sounds like the wall so maybe we can revisit that at the end yeah maybe i I did have i did have a different idea for the for the luxury item but but you know what i'll 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 get there when i get there okay yeah we'll we'll part that and we'll take we'll take that away just because we try and stick to the six bits of studio gear and i know it's strictly is studio gear i mean it's helping you write lyrics but let's see not really studio gear what would your number four be otherwise if you weren't allowed that for now i would have to say i mean once again this room is is filled with magic but i oh, see over here i have a this this blue wurlitzer mm. um, and it's it's i think it's from the 60s or or i think or perhaps it's from the 70s but it's a beautifully old school gorgeous musical instrument and it's been a really close companion of mine for the last few years now i know there are wurlitzers far and wide across the world that i'm sure would distribute good Wurlitzer notes, but there's nothing like this one. And I would actually, with your permission, of course, I would I would keep it. I would bring it onto the boat, and it would live in the studio alongside my Steinway Disclavia. Uh, and and so tell us about the history of that particular one, if that's one we're having. Then where, where did you get it? Where did you find it? Uh, how long have you had it? Yeah, this Wurlitzer was my own Christmas present to myself in 2019. And I've, I've been crushing on Wurlitzers for, for some time. In fact, I really started to crush on them properly when I got Keyscape, which mm. sounds like such a funny thing to say. But Keyscape has a Wurlitzer in, within it, and it's just the most glorious sound. And I thought, well, what, this must be a real sound somewhere. And I also realised that in this part of my room, there was an empty, a vacant space, a Wurlitzer-shaped <laughs> empty space. And, and I, I, I was recording as a, a good friend of mine, whose name is Barak Schmuel, and he's an old teacher of mine, actually. And there was a song on Jesse Volume 2, which is one of my albums I've created, and the song's called Dun Dun Bapa. And it's an odd little tune, and it's, it's actually a, a, it's a, like a, a groove illusion in the sense that it's a, a rhythm that never stops speeding up. Like, you know how you have a, a shepherd tone, like a note mm. that never stops rising? Yeah. yeah. I made a, a shepherd groove that, that speeds up, but by the time it's sped up, you don't realise, and it's back to where it started. So it's kind of like an interesting challenge. So I wanted to record this with a bunch of Cuban musicians, uh, or musicians who who play uh, bata uh, music in, in London. And so I got this group of master musicians and recorded it in a studio in London. In the studio was this Wurlitzer. And I, I fell deeply in love with it. And it joined the dots with that and this Keyscape thing. And I thought, I know what I'm going to get at the end of this year. I'm going to get a, a Wurlitzer. And so I found this Wurlitzer. Uh, and there, there's a man, I think he lives in, in England, somewhere perhaps in the north, out, 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 of, out of town uh, from London. And, uh, and he has Wurlitzers. And I, I got in touch with him. I can't remember his name now, but... But it's it's just it's the most beautiful instrument, and it's it's fully restored from its original time. It was originally painted blue, which I just I just really like. I haven't seen too many blue Wurlitzers in my time. Mm. Um, Doug, Doug McKendrick, that's his name, Doug McKendrick, and it's a it's a lovely thing. So th- that's his business, it's buying and selling and restoring Wurlitzers. Then I believe so. And uh, it says here it's a it's Excellent. a it's a EP two hundred A, and uh, and and so that's that, and I I love it very dearly. Item number five. Gosh. Okay, so this is this is perhaps another odd one, but it is a piece of studio gear. Well, I suppose it's it's a musical instrument. I've I've got a thing about gongs, and uh, I don't know where this really began uh, for me, but just like they're just an, a good epic gong is completely undefeated, and I've been touring the world this year once again after COVID, which has been such a crazy and wonderful experience, and my original thesis for this show was to have a huge thirty-six inch gong hanging at the top of the stage. Um, within this kind of JC uh, 
um, logo type LED fixture with all these, it's about 300 different pixels of light. And I don't know if you've seen any, any photos or videos of this, but mm -hmm. this is Epic JC and there's a line on the top and then it comes down as if it's a J and goes comes round and, and completes itself as a C. And within the C is this sort of 36 inch gong. And there's a moment in the show where I throw a, a custom built double-edged mallet at the gong and, and attempt to hit it at, sort of at, the, at the end of a section of a song, which I sometimes successfully do. Um, but what I would say would be, I would love to have a gong in the studio, but not just any old gong. There's actually a man on, on the internet who I found. I had a brief conversation with him one time, actually, but it's a man who makes custom-shaped gongs. And so you can basically make a gong in whatever shape you want, however wacko that, that is. Mm. Um, and so I think that the shape of the gong right now is, is undefined. There are some, certain shapes that I really I love. But it would be so... Doesn't the shape affect the sound? Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, one idea would be, would, was originally to have the gong in the shape of the JC, but that's, that's so kind of self-referential. Self it doesn't interest me anymore very much. So I love the idea of just an epic kind of intricate shaped structure. It, it could be some kind of fractal image or, or even just like a, a really beautiful like four-pointed star or a crazy spiral or a, some kind of epic isometric design that is also a gong hanging in this resplendent boat of ours, that would really be ridiculous. In fact, an ultimately ridiculous thing would be to have it somehow, you know, MC Escher? Yeah. The artist mm -hmm. who does all the, all the impossible staircases. Yeah. What would be so cool would be to have the gong where if you look at it from two different sides, two different um, directions in the room, it would actually be a different shape or, or it would show a different perspective versus another I think, again, I, I strive for things that break or confound my perspective because it keeps me awake and alive in the creative process. If I had a gong that from one side was a square and another side was a circle, for example, mm. or from one side was a yeah. set of, of staircases going up and another was a staircase going down, that would be incredibly satisfying and mind-blowing. And obviously, I would also want to record it and play it often. So there you have it. I'm not sure exactly what form that takes, but why don't we go with kind of impossible geometry, multiple perspective confounding metallic gong hanging from the ceiling of said studio done i love it i love it done that's yep. uh, one of the most unusual selections i think we've ever had that's fantastic oh yeah. great <laughs> glad to hear it um superb uh are we on the last one we are the last oh, one right, the last six. item well this <laughs> incidentally gongs must be i'm sorry i just have to say Gongs must be a, a nightmare choice for tour managers and people working out budgets for touring. Yeah. It's like, do you really need the gong? Yeah, it was. It's definitely. I was definitely kind of um, cornered a number of times. Like, you know what? If we lost the gong, we, we'd actually be making some money on this tour. You know, <laughs> do you want to make any money at all? And I think, no, I'd, I'd rather have the gong. <laughs> do, do you remember those mass, the, like, the, like at the end of the Queen Bohemian Rhapsody video, the big gong? Yeah. And Queen used to tour with that, and that was that was bigger than thirty six. Right? That was much was, bigger than thirty six. Yeah, that that was often yeah, that was, was often brought up, brought to me as a reference in my in my scheming. Like, you know, do you really want to be like Queen with who had this nightmare gong they had to tour with all the time and horror stories of the gong and things? But I don't know. I I love it. There's, yes. there's something so great. The other thing that's cool, cool about the gong on stage is that it also is part of the lighting rig. There's a specific gong light yeah. that points directly at the gong. And so the gong can actually respond to musical elements on the stage. Uh, and so if Christian, our drummer, plays certain notes and drums at certain times, he can talk directly to the gong light and get it to go... Doof, doof, and even send ripples through the rest of the, the lighting setup. 
Uh, and, and actually gongs are really amazing reflective surfaces. And so there's all sorts of really involved kind of things you can do within that circular space, you know, having ripples and, and geometric shapes and, and inner circles and all sorts of things around it. So, so yeah, it's just this endlessly Disco cool, gong. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's this endlessly interesting and cool thing, which I love. Uh, fantastic. Yeah, maybe maybe you should... Let's have gongs in nightclubs behind the DJs. Let's. Yeah, I like <laughs> the, the only thing about a gong is once, <laughs> once you hit it, you know, the tail is about, you know, 80 seconds. <laughs> if, if, <laughs> which is super annoying for, for audio engineers and this thing. Is that, what is this feedback? <laughs> it's like, no, it just, it's, just, it's just the gong again, you know. Yeah, and I suppose, like, it could be ac- accidentally struck or... I mean, does it start wobbling certain frequencies must start it's sort of self-oscillating almost as I, well we haven't had that problem I, I was worried about that but we haven't had that problem i mean it's hanging yeah. above the ground within this jc structure which hangs from the the, the ceiling of the venue or from the truss okay basically. so it's kind of removed enough okay uh but you know then again who knows <laughs> wow that's the longest gong chat i've ever had in my life <laughs> Oh, just just saying it. But I enjoyed every second of it. It doesn't even get close to being the longest for me, but, but I, it was one I, I enjoyed a lot. <laughs> okay, yeah. final item. Final item. You know, it's easy to dream up crazy shaped gongs and wacko Steinway pianos and, and <laughs> most most ridiculous impossible boats and th- structures like this. But but you know what? There are certain things also that that keep you grounded. And for me. In my musical life, the the one microphone that's never left my arsenal from day one is my Shure SM58. And the, the reality is I use it to this day. I use it to record all sorts of things because there's something about it that is very unexaggerated, very honest, and extremely familiar to me. It's a, it's a really great mic, the SM58. Um, and so I would actually say that in amongst the craziness of the things I've requested, I would want one of these SM58s because I think that it reminds me of where I came from as a musician, which is the idea that, you know, you can basically make anything sound good with this mic. You can put the mic pretty much anywhere. And if you're determined to hear the results of the thing you're creating enough, you will you will find that solution. And, you know, it, it far and wide, I think I've, I've come across all sorts of gear that makes your life really easy and it does things for you and it will blow your mind with X, Y and Z. And this is automated and that's automated. But for me, you know, for, for better or worse, my automation growing up was to place my SM58 in the best possible position on the thing I was recording. And so imagining through it has been truly important for me. And so without an SM58 in my studio, it would not be my studio. And so I'm going to have to finish and say my SM58. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. I mean, it's the kind of thing that What's interesting, I think, about the SM58 is how, how much I wanted one when I was really young. Because oh, yeah. it was like the microphone you saw on stage and all of that. And then you get one and it, like you say, it does, it lives up to the hype. And Totally. I, you know, I've, st- I've still got one. Yeah. I'm sure, Will, you've got one. Everybody's got one. Yeah, there's a reason why, you know, you go to any, any dive bar in the, in the world mm. and they'll have an SM58 on stage. There's a reason why that's the it's, it, you yeah. know, it's not just that it's the one mic that everyone can afford. It's, it's that it's insanely sturdy. Mm. Sounds fantastic, incredibly resilient, and just kind of beloved. And so, yeah, I, I would say one of those would do absolutely no harm. It sounds great on the snare, you know. It, it mm. sounds great as an overhead. Yeah. It sounds great from the back of the room, from the front of the room, whatever. And and I I love the idea of having Chris Martin's, 
U47 and then my SM58 side by side, you know, and having both as epic vocal microphones of their own of their own kinds, kind of like the the past, present, and 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 future of sorts. Okay, well, let's uh, let's lock mm. all those in. That's your six items. And uh, Will, yes. if you give us a little rundown, and then we'll move on to luxury item, and we'll sort of see what you had planned and see whether it goes against the the epic magna analog lyric wall so will take us through the forever studio so far okay we're on the marshes of the north norfolk coast inside a stranded boat split into sections you have for a computer a top spec mac pro your interface is a dante system with grace design m905 monitor controller your door is logic pro x then your six items on the deck of said boat is a nine foot Steinway Spirio grand piano. That's our equivalent. Mm. We'll get some special programmer involved if we need to, to put money on that. Then for your second item, you have Chris Martin's Neumann U47. For your monitors, you have a key BXT and key three Atmos rig in red. Do we think Jacob? I, I should say so. Yeah. Excellent. And in blue, a Wurlitzer EP200A. Then your fifth item is an intricate custom gong that's also an MC Escher design with impossible geometry. And your final item is a Shaw SM58 to take you back to your musical roots. How does that work? That is such good delivery um, <laughs> from you of, of all of those. And, and yeah, that, that sounds just amazing. That sounds great. Will's lush M&S voice comes in when describing the Forever Studio as also... It is an M&S voice, yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. It's great. Oh, pristine. He's wasted on this podcast, if you're honest. Dulcet tones. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, we were talking before saying... You could be selling burgers, Will. Could be selling burgers and... and... Look, of the three of us, I think Jacob does have the most dulcet tones of everybody on this. Oh, yeah. Of oh, course, me? Yeah. Oh, I, I Just I, I un- don't, unbelievable I don't dulcetness. Dulcetude, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> Dulcetude. <laughs> Nice. Oh, thanks, guys. I do. I do feel like the builder that's come in to help fix the washing machine on this podcast. (laughs) Nothing of the sort. We'll move on from that. Uh, (laughs) We'll move on. Right. Let's go to the luxury item. We had the description of of the wall. What was the other item that you were Hmm. thinking of? This is uh, this is a fun one. This is something I've always wanted to do in in a studio around a studio, I should say. So this is not within the walls of our boat. It's actually around the edge. A boat is a small thing, and so it'd be interesting to to do this with this. But my idea is this. Wind chimes, right? You have wind chimes that blow in the wind. Wind chimes are are mostly pentatonic scales, you know. Mm -hmm. And so you have, say, if it's a wind chime in C, you have sort of C, D, E, G, and A. In the wind. And the wind may blow, the wind may not blow. I'm a huge advocate for the circle of fifths um, in many ways. And so... The way the circle of fifths works is you have you know all twelve keys that you find on on the piano. Mm-hmm. Uh, those keys are are organised in a circle and they they kind of feed into each other. So, say the first five notes of the C pentatonic scale, those are all um, next door neighbours on the circle of fifths. You've got C, G, D, A, E. That is kind of C major in its in its, in its least biased form. G pentatonic is is one nook around from that. So you've got G, D, A, um, E, and B. And, and those are next door neighbours there. And, and gradually you stretch it over as you add a sharp to every key signature. So you have C, G, you know, as it goes on, C, G, D, A, E, 
major, and they they feed into each other. I, I tend to think of major and minor as a as a spectrum rather than as a scale. If there's a spectrum of majorness, and there's a, which is clockwise on the circle of fifths, and then there's a spectrum of minorness which is which is anticlockwise. My idea for the studio, which I will one day I'm ho- ho- hoping do, is have wind chimes for every pentatonic of the circle of fifths in order around the studio. So as you walk around the studio, you have this ever brightening if you're going clockwise or ever darkening if you're going anticlockwise set of notes that just continuously evolves but all go together you know and so yeah as you're as you're walking around you, you say you take take a step out of the boat to get some fresh air look over the marshes receive inspiration you, you you're met with a particular key center and it changes as you walk around the boat so so that that's my that was that was going to be my luxury item was to have this kind of this this circle of wind chimes yeah. in in ever ever evolving and compatible uh, pentatonic scales. If you've said ever said this out loud before, I cannot believe that somebody hasn't commissioned you to do this in some incredible <laughs> garden, at some stately home. No, it'd be, it'd be fabulous. Yeah, it would be it would be amazing. Do you know, I, I'm immediately wanting to I'm immediately wanting to walk around that space and experience yeah. that. It's incredible. Well, I haven't I haven't really articulated this before. It's, it's the first time seeing it out loud. But I do think that it works either in a big or a small space. I think in a big space it would be pretty awesome. I'm, I'm thinking about Quincy's house, and Quincy's house has. This this circle of of um, it's like a, a sacred sense, as in S C E N T S, multiple scents like that you smell, mm. and it's it's certain plants that have been planted in a certain order. So as you walk around the house, that the scents evolve, um, mm. and and it, they're all really really compatible. But you walk around, and it changes, and it evolves, and you get back to where you started. It's it's this thing that he's really proud of. He always talks about it. Like man, I've got this like, circle of I can't remember what it's called. This sacred circle of center around my house it's just so great and i've smelt it with my own nose and it's it's amazing and so it's almost a bit like that but around quincy's house like which is you know it's not huge but it's it's big you need to have a set of wind chimes every say probably 20 meters to get around the house which would really mean you would take a long walk around i think my only fear with the boat is that you could probably from the boat here all 12 keys at once which is maybe a problem <laughs> maybe a problem uh, but then again you you could if this is truly a dream scenario all of the land surrounding the boat would probably also be part of the studio and the ground. So you could actually have 20 meter, you could have like a, a, a vast, I don't know what the, what the radius would, would be, something like 100, 120 meters or something radius, uh, all, all around the boat where you'd have enough space for you to experience all those keys at once in their own particular way. Combined with the flowers and the smell, you, th- this is a Chelsea Garden show waiting to happen, isn't it? Like an installation or something. Perhaps so. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's up to you. What are you gonna are you gonna go for the wind chimes? Are you gonna go for the lyric wall? Because I mean, they're both great. What I'd say is that the, the lyric wall exists digitally right now, and so because it has a form, I w- I'm I'm gonna go with the wind chimes because the wind chimes does not exist right now, other than in my imagination, and so that would be very satisfying in physical form. Amazing. Yes. yes, and we can bring it to life at the My Forever Studio. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, there it is. There's the Forever Studio. How was that? I, lo- I loved it. It was a very, very fun and entertaining, but also informative session. I, I can't, I can't wait to visit. Honestly. <laughs> yes. We'll crack on yeah. building the Forever Studio probably from about tomorrow. It's so kind of you, honestly. And that's actually where my builder's voice comes in useful. Yeah, right. <laughs> Talking about the plans for when I'll get round to Construction begins. Yeah. 8am 8, 8 tomorrow. Yes. Oh, great. Good stuff. Exactly. Well, we'll say nine. Say nine. Great. Reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much, Jacob Collier, for coming on the My Forever Studio podcast. Uh, it's been fantastic. So thank you very much. Th- thanks for having me. Hey. Thanks, Jacob. Cheers, fellas. And- 
Is there anything you want to do? You want to talk about your upcoming album, Volume Four, the last thirteen tracks of the Jesse anthology? Oh yes. Talk well, about that? I suppose I'll say two quick things. One being that I am on tour, which I mentioned before. I'm on tour now. Uh, we just completed a, a US and UK run. It's totally life changing and 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 fun. We're going to Europe in July. So if any if any of you listeners are in Europe, feel free to come to a show. Uh, we'll be heading towards uh, towards Asia and the east uh, towards the end of the year uh, dates as yet undefined but soon to come which is exciting and um so that whole extravaganza is 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 cool and then yeah there's also i, I did release this song that you mentioned briefly which is never going to be alone with lizzie mccalpine who's a dear friend of mine and john mayer who's a massive staple of all of our childhoods and a musical hero to all of us and uh, and yeah uh, jesse volume four is, is is soon to come also as yet undefined but working hard and and dreaming as big as i possibly can uh, and yeah, it's 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 a, a mammoth creative moment for for many of us, especially coming out of quarantine and and reimmersing ourselves in in the big wide world. But it feels so amazing to be back out on the road and out touring. And, and I think yeah, dreaming up dreaming up worlds, whether they are dream studios or touring setups or albums or collaborations, it, it all seems newly possible in a, in a sense to me, which is deeply thrilling. And, and also, I'm, I'm filled with a, a massive amount of gratitude. I think for for being able to do what what I do and to to be able to receive, you know, in, in, in the world what is so much inspiration and, 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 and fresh energy in this strange, weird, but yet somehow magical and wonderful time to be a human. Well, as always, so eloquently put. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll catch you on tour soon. Hope so. Yeah, <laughs> terrific. Okay, well, thank you so much, Jacob. Good it stuff. really has been a pleasure. We've wanted you on the show for a long time, so thank oh, you for joining oh, us thank, and taking the time. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Yeah, a- absolute pleasure. Thanks again. Thank you. See you anon. Cheers. Okay, well, that is an amazing episode. Hilarity, perfect pitchness, and uh, loads of tech chat. Just what a wonderful show, Will. The thing with Jacob is that he's that brilliant combination of extremely good at his craft. He's always trying to reach the edges of his own understanding. Totally. And he's so articulate as well that it's just this beautiful mix so what a joy talking to him and a lovely guy lovely guy lovely guy guy as well yeah fantastic right and we will say we have some added info don't we will because you followed up on email about the crazy setup of jacob's what seems like now rule-breaking setup do you want to fill everybody in on that yeah, so for the audio interface, it's not just an audio interface. It's a fully networked room of Dante interfaces. So this is fully a rule break. Anyone in the past yeah. who has ever tried to bend a rule on an audio interface and we've said no, then uh, my sincere condolences because uh, you've been absolutely done over there. This system... Press the button, Will. Press the button. <laughs> <laughs> no bundle! So we emailed Ben Bloomberg, who set this up, and Ben sent us this incredible email about all of the setup. Uh, we have just a quick rundown. Two Grace M108 preamps with Dante cards, two Focusrite red interfaces, an AM2 headphone amp, an ISA828 Mark II with Dante card. But then that's all networked together, including monitoring back on the M905 via Spudif. This is all in a giant schematic that he sent over. So, yeah, it's not an audio interface it is many many audio interfaces all networked together but we allowed it that's on us but to be fair it's pretty cool so yeah very cool yeah 
But, Will, who do we have on the show next week? Next week, we have two legends of the French house scene. We have... Oh, yeah. Alan Brax and DJ Falcon. Turbo excited about this. I'm a bit of a fanboy. Got their records actually on my wall uh, on the famous Roulet label, which was Thomas Bangala from Daft Punk's label. Of course, if you don't know, DJ Falcon did a, 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 one of his big records was Together with Thomas Bangalter and Alan Brax, of course, did Music Sounds Better With You. Seminal dance anthem. Uh, Stone Cold classic. Yeah. Stone Cold classic. And like, what, 20, over 20 years old now, that song? Maybe it's 98. 98. That came out. Yeah. 1998. Uh, and still gets played now, and, and various bootlegs and remixes come out all the time. But they've got a new EP out. They're both cousins, so we're hoping to get some kind of, you know, arguments going. We love that. <laughs> Anyway, let's see you next week for more adventures into Studio Foreverdom. Goodbye. Bye-bye.